0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: I mean, no one plans to get sick. And yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. A quarter century ago, I was given six months to live with a diagnosis of terminal brain cancer. For more than 15 years, I've been ranting and raving on the air about stupid cancer, and now, stupid healthcare, and I'm just getting warmed up. So let's all go make healthcare suck less together, because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Man, what a treat that I have this week to welcome Michelle Johansson here in studio. And, you know, there's nothing quite like seeing someone in person, The chemistry, the eye contact, it really makes for just incredible conversation. Raw, pure, authentic conversation. Michelle and I only were introduced like the week before this taping because I'm speaking at one of her company's conferences this summer. And like on Monday, they're like, hey, she's going to be in New York. Why doesn't she just stop by the studio? I'm like, okay, boom, 10 seconds later, she's here in the room. And man, did we really hit it off. I mean, from a LinkedIn perspective, her title is Vice President and Chief of Staff 2, not Chief of Staff 1. We're going to figure out what that means. Her employer is Magellan Rx Management, which is a PBM. And for the cheap seats in the back, PBM stands for Pharmacy Benefit Management Company. They're the ones that actually help get you the drugs you need when you need them through your doctor, through your provider, through your insurance company. So they conduct all the trench warfare needed to make sure you get what you need when you need it. What's super cool about Michelle is she's a global citizen. She's multilingual. She's multicultural. She's been all around the world, so she understands healthcare and society and government and policies outside of the United States, which makes for incredible comparative conversations. She's also par for the course, (laughs) Gen X junkie like me. So prepare yourself for lots of 80s references a trip down IMDb lane, and all sorts of fun with Michelle Johansson. Oh, did I also mention she's a cancer survivor? Let's get started. Michelle, welcome to Out of Patients.
0: Hi, Matthew. It's so nice to be here with you.
1: Oh, my God. The chemistry is its just sitting there. It's right here.
0: Yeah, you're my friend.
1: Uh, to the listeners hearing us right now, we were just chatting before uh, in, the, in the... We don't have a green room, but I'll just say it was a green room. I <laughs> mean, the table outside...
0: Where I didn't get my green M&Ms.
1: No, I was supposed to (laughs) split your M&Ms by color and I I failed miserably.
0: It's okay. I'll let you go.
1: But I'm thrilled to have you here. I mean, we kind of just met on like a first date over email and then we talked on the phone a little bit, but it just seems like it's magical. I feel like, how have I not known you all these years?
0: I feel like it's pretty natural and there to a certain extent, I'm a cancer survivor, you're a cancer survivor, and there's a... There's an inbuilt camaraderie that I seem to find with people who've survived, um, but you just have a great spirit and a great mission and kind eyes, and you love the 80s, so I think that it's just meant to be.
1: Oh, buckle up, listeners. This is an <laughs> 80s. We're going to channel your favorite movie, possibly my favorite movie, The NeverEnding Story. Absolutely, Atreyu. Falcor for the win the entire show.
0: <laughs> yeah, but nothing of the nothing.
1: Nothing of the nothing? Or that weird turtle?
0: The turtle. A trail. <laughs> yeah
1: asthmatic turtle. Yes.
0: <laughs> you can get that sponsored. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, we should go after uh I don't know, Zantac? Albuterol? Not Zantac. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should go after uh yeah, you're right, albuterol. Yeah. Do Albuterol? Mm-hmm. Or then uh, get a get a nebulizer device company to I sponsor have one the in show. My verse, yes. Oh my goodness.
0: We can make the puff sound. <laughs> That's perfect. My
1: daughter's on it, so I know. There you go. So I, I my first question is I have a your title on LinkedIn says, VP Chief of Staff 2, are you a sequel?
0: <laughs> uh, it's actually uh, just a second level up, so there are Chief of Staff 1s, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to be seen as a Chief of Staff 2, uh, or just a Chief of Staff, but I love Medicare. I have an amazing boss. I work with a great team. They were supportive of me. Uh, they were, I got my cancer diagnosis six months into getting hired for that job. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much.
1: So there are only three movie sequels that are better than the originals. Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2, and Lethal Weapon 2.
0: Arguably, yes.
1: Right. So you are those three movies in career form. That
0: is awesome. You're making my day. <laughs> You're going to make me blush.
1: Yeah. I mean, who's going to argue with Lawrence Kasdan? You just can't. You <laughs> no. can't. You can't beat the guy. Anyway, I'm thrilled to have you here because... I'm actually speaking at a Magellan conference. I think it's in August.
0: Yes. Where the is it? Specialty Summit here in New York City, right? Oh,
1: then I, easy travel.
0: Yes. <laughs> Thanks for that. You're welcome. I, <laughs> I planned just, everything. I'll just walk
1: and get my steps in.
0: Oh, I think you'd get a billion steps if you walked.
1: What, was it like in upstate New York and like
0: Albany? No, it's in the city, but it's downtown, so it'll take you a couple Well, steps. we are downtown. You know what? Coming from Alabama, your downtown is much bigger than my downtown. Oh, uh,
1: fair enough. <laughs> but you're not originally Alabama girl.
0: No, no. I was um, born in Ohio, but I say I'm raised in West Virginia, lived in Argentina, and then I uh, came here, came to Philadelphia to school at Drexel University and had been living in the Northeast until just in November.
1: I have like post-Holocaust cousins in Buenos Aires. Really? It's like we, we didn't know where they went. And my mom found them an ancestry or something years ago. And like I have an entire family in, in Buenos Aires.
0: Interestingly enough, there's a very large, there was a very large post-World War II German population in Argentina, but a very strong Jewish community as well.
1: I, I, I talk to them on LinkedIn every now and then. Like I, one, of the, one of these days, we'll take a trip down my family in Buenos Aires and meet my mom's distant relatives.
0: You have to. B.A. is the coolest city. And when you talk to them next time, just write C-H-E, Che. They start off everything Che.
1: What is the equivalent here in the States for that? Mm, like yo like dude dude okay
0: but Che Guevara is from uh, Argentina yeah
1: it was yo in the 80s though
0: not everywhere Che is like everywhere
1: okay understood I'm excited for that
0: and if you say Che boludo they'll really love you so
1: give me some context just before we get to your cancer story because that's always like the the shit happens rabbit hole (laughs) what is Magellan
0: Magellan. So Magellan Health and MagellanRx, they're a very large corporation. Uh, we're well known on the Magellan Health side for our behavioral health. So helping people to get connected with the right help to deal with so many different behavioral health issues. And we're well positioned to do that. And they they are a sentine corporation. And Magellan Rx is a PBM or a pharmacy benefit manager. Some, acronym time. The acronym time. And sometimes you'll hear people talk about the middleman. That's a term mm. that, that has been used in common parlance. But really what Magellan. Rx does is they take care of everything that it takes to get a medication in your hands that your doctor believes that you're supposed to have.
1: Okay. That sounds like it should be working every time.
0: It works pretty well. We help to keep costs down for plans. Uh, Magellan Rx has a presence in all 50 states. They provide PBM services for Medicaid, Medicare, commercial employers, and um, I'm, I'm in the Medicare field. So that's where my heart and soul is. I love beneficiaries. All
1: right. I was reading... On your LinkedIn. I don't know if you wrote this or someone else wrote this or someone did it and you didn't know about it. You call yourself a polyglot. I wrote that. You did write that? Yeah. All right. So for the Webster's disinformed listening, <laughs> what is a polyglot?
0: So poly meaning many, glot meaning glottis or tongue. I'm a many tongued person. I speak multiple languages.
1: Well, Argentina.
0: Yeah, Spanish. Or they, in Argentina, they say Castellano.
1: Right. See, si. I have no idea what you're saying.
0: <laughs> um, and mi then, guapo,
1: <laughs> muy guapo. Yes, you're very handsome. Uh, then there
0: is a uh, French, uh, Estonian. Some Estonian. I'm not. I'm not fluent, but I'm much more fl- uh, fluent than the average American. I think uh, I did okay in Italian and in Portuguese, and then I'm learning uh, Arabic and Hebrew.
1: But you're from America. Yes. And you've experienced other cultures. Yes. Yeah. Wait, there were other cultures?
0: Oh, my, and my parents were really big on other cultures. I mean, maybe from a food perspective, but also just from a life perspective. And uh, they always just encouraged my desire to know other cultures. And I used to actually walk around the grocery store when I was a little kid. I wanted people to think I was foreign. And I would speak gibberish in like, <laughs> I, would, I would speak gibberish in the uh, aisles of the grocery store. So it, I think it was just a lifelong passion
1: so it was like the Navi language from Avatar before James Cameron invented it,
0: yes, but pure gibberish
1: pure gibberish,
0: absolutely nonsensical, like but I frontier just, gibberish, but I wanted someone to like notice that I could speak another language,
1: but I, I I'm always fascinated by people who have that global perspective of what life is actually like outside this ridiculous country
0: well, it makes a it makes a big difference, and actually, you know what this country's not as ridiculous as you think once you go somewhere else. There's nowhere else. I could, <laughs> there's nowhere else I could be in my skin, in my body, in my mind, and do what I've been able to accomplish. You know, my great grandparents, my great great grandmother was the daughter of a slave owner and a slave. Um, my family is Muskogee and Creek and African. Whereas, you know, we're just as American as it comes. My grandfather's fought in World War II, and now I'm a vice president at an insurance company, and I, you know, get awards and I get a chance to talk to cool people like you and, and have a voice that hopefully gets to represent millions of people. So it's really a blessing. But it is also incredibly fun to get a chance to connect with other people. And you know what, at the end of the day, most people just want to be able to have a good time, eat really well, maybe have a glass of something. Um, something? You know, a something, a little glass of wine. What's your I, I prefer vino. I prefer red wine, okay. uh, Spanish, French, or Italian, and, uh, or champagne.
1: Wait, are you your own sommelier?
0: I yeah oh that's a bucket After list. After all this time in France, that is a bucket list item to do. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take a year off though to take the classes and, and do it really well. So, wow, yeah. Um, but all
1: right, fine, we're a complicated nation, but we are the great experiment.
0: It the great experiment, and there's not anywhere else it's, where it's been done or been done better.
1: That is true, and we're we're witnessing as <laughs> of this taping in real time that great experiment.
0: Yeah, no, it's happening in real time, and it's worth it's worth trying and, and worth continuing the experiment.
1: So, your work in healthcare, we're going to get to your story in the second half of the show, but your work in healthcare was already in existence before you were sick.
0: Correct. I uh, started actually when I was uh, 22, I was a co op at Signa International Latin America. I started translating newspapers for the president and uh, translating meetings in Guatemala and Spain and translating formularies.
1: Right, for those listening that are under the age of 35, MTV <laughs> stood for music television.
0: There was still videos on MTV. There were still
1: videos, Adam Curry, and I forget the other VJs, but my God, did we worship them yeah. in the 1990s?
0: Yeah, I, wanted, I actually auditioned to be on The Real World.
1: No way, Philadelphia.
0: Didn't get in, of course.
1: I got to watch the real world when they. What was it? Uh, Eleven, Eleven Broadway, whatever the offices in Times Square. The big glass window used to be there.
0: True story. You,
1: yeah, you could just like stare at the show while it's like being taped.
0: That was, uh, I guess, our first foray into reality TV.
1: Wait, so you started in media.
0: No, 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 no. I was just in college, and I wanted to be. You know, I mean, again, I think there's this, there's been this desire as a child. Even I would like uh, to do something and to be seen. And I loved to sing, and I did like a musical theater as a child and and, and show choir. And I was a cheerleader. Probably not a surprise. But that I, sounds
1: relevant, appropriate, and I approve this message.
0: <laughs> um, but I ended up falling in love with healthcare.
1: Said no one ever? Like, what happened? Who? I can't wait to work for CMS. (laughs) Seriously. You
0: know, so my dad had congestive heart failure when I was a little girl, and it uh, deeply impacted me. I'm a licensed hypochondriac by training.
1: (laughs) So you're (laughs) Jewish.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's perfect. Um, I'm Jewish. I'll take it. Uh, And I think that I've been deeply affected by what it's like to be a caregiver. My dad was the first person I ever signed up for Medicare. and. I don't know. I just, I I have a heart for the beneficiary. I particularly love older people. My grandparents, I was very close with. I was there when my granny passed away and I was there when my grandfather passed away. She was 90, he was 98. And it was such an honor to be at the end of such great lives. And I just want, uh, in particular, for the people who have worked hard and lived hard and gotten us through some even tougher times than I think the ones that we face today, I just want to make sure that they get their fair shake.
1: Those are some good numbers right there. 90 and 95? 98. Oh, wow, 1998.
0: And he had just gotten his license that year. To drive? Renewed.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> the state of Ohio. In Florida, so- <laughs> they welcome him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> welcome glaucoma and everything. My mom was so upset.
1: <laughs> what, would they, what did they pass from?
0: Uh, my granny, actually, uh, she passed from gangrene. Wow. She was receiving home health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't realize that it wasn't with a medical professional. I feel really strongly about caregiving. And my grandfather, he basically his heart at 98 years had pumped plenty and he so, just started good old to get down. Mhm. Mhm. But we went through hospice for both, sure. both my grandparents and uh it's uh it was a it was a blessing to my family.
1: It just seems so like distant to think you could die of just being old.
0: Yeah, well, and my granny's um gangrene complications really came from um dementia. Right. So, it's just I guess like part of part of the pros
1: and cons of aging, right?
0: Yeah, and I, I will say that her last Christmas I took a lot of video, and she was looking around at everybody, and she just kept saying, I have such a big, beautiful family. I have such a wonderful family. And so she was really pretty cognizant. And she wanted to be 90, so her birthday was February 16th. And she, every day she'd wake up and say, is it my birthday yet? Is not my birthday yet? She passed 10 days after her 90th birthday.
1: That is grace of God goodness. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be back with Michelle.
2: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at carmax.com. Carmax,
0: the way car buying should be.
1: All right, I'll say it this way. No one wants to be sick, which I think I say at the top of the show, and healthcare is a I'll say a, a supply only market no one wants to be there no one asks to be there i'm not talking you know break fix and triage and scrapes and broken bones the real terrible shit no one really wants to have and i love that we talked at the, at the top of the show about how you were already in the enmeshed sub-level 48 of the healthcare system when you yourself fell victim to the shit happens store right let's talk about that
0: let's talk about it so i was 39 and uh had actually a a a death in the family and i went to be uh with my family and i can only credit it to that their towels are a different thickness than mine oh my god okay and i was coming out of the shower and toweling off and i ran into this big old bump and my aunt a nurse and i ran outside because she helped wait this is
1: radio where was the bump
0: it was on my uh, left breast in the upper upper half i should have actually seen it it was like the size of a half of a golf ball (laughs) okay (laughs) I just never noticed it. And I, I'm pretty sure I showered every day. Wait, prior. so your Egyptian
1: cotton multi-thread <laughs> towel detected your cancer?
0: <laughs> pretty much. And um, I went out to my aunt and I said, is this a thing? And usually she's like, because I always thought I had like, some kind of cancer. If I, I ate too many hot pickles, I'm like, oh, that's it. It's stomach cancer. And she's like, no, just take a Zantac, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. this time she says, no, you need to get that checked out. That was uh, June 26th of 2019. I uh, came back home.
1: So, right before the pandemic and the earth went to shit,
0: I went into quarantine before everybody else went to quarantine. So, I got between June 26th and July 23rd, I had a series of tests. And then Were you
1: taken seriously?
0: I was taken seriously. And my I was taken so seriously that I was actually like yelled at.
1: Uh, so, <laughs> How dare you know more than me?
0: No, so I, so I, you know, I go and I make the appointments. I, I get seen by the physician, and just for for women out there, like I, I had, I was pretty big chested. My dream had always been to have a reduction. I didn't realize it was going to happen this way, but you know, God answers prayers. Hey, and- <laughs> man plans and God says, all right, there you go, whatever you want, paid for by insurance. Nice, um, and so. Oh, I almost I I almost lost my train of thought. So I I had to get a mammogram, but mammograms don't really show if you're fibrocystic. So I got uh, there was a big fight about whether or not I would have the ultrasound or the mammogram first. I had the ultrasound first and the ultrasound physician came to me and he's like, this is a solid mass. And you need to take this seriously. And you can't wait on this. And I'm thinking and I actually started like I kind of teared up and I said, like, I'm here. I came here. What do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? Right. And I don't know if he was having a bad day, but his humanity clicked back on and he walked me out to a station and they started scheduling everything.
1: That's like empathy overload when it it laps over itself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, my physician, they called me and said I needed to come in on Tuesday at 1 p.m., you know, this was like Friday was all the t- the testing days. And then the next Tuesday I was told I need to come in at 1 p.m. I get to the physician's office and this is how I knew I had cancer because the lady at the front desk said, oh, it's you. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it's you. Oh, he came on his day off. And that was pretty much how I knew. A nice trigger warning. Yeah, that was how I knew. But I, I have to credit my physician. He actually made me an appointment so that I could see an oncologist the moment after he told me I had cancer. Wow that was why he wanted me in at 1 p.m.
1: That's special and rare.
0: It's special and rare. So he took me, he gave me my my information, he gave me the sheets of paper. Now having been a hypochondriac that suffered from fake HIV, fake diabetes, fake MS, all those things. When I actually But
1: those are quality imaginary diseases. They are very
0: they're they're definitely quality diseases. By the time that I actually got a disease I wasn't nearly as nervous because I'd already been scared. Wait, of were everything you relieved?
1: Else. Finally, it's
0: something. No. <laughs> I
1: wasn't. <laughs> That's the name of the show. Finally, it's something.
0: <laughs> I knew I was right. Um, I, I wasn't relieved, but I wasn't freak out, terrified like I used to be of things I never had. Mm-hmm. And when I met the oncologist, he was amazing. He said, I'm going to be your quarterback. He's like, Our first move has to be our best move. We're going to take this DNA, we're going to find out what you have. He said, You have three weeks to have fun. And then when you come back, we're gonna go to work. He said, get a second opinion.
1: And wait, they told you to get a second opinion. They told
0: me to get a second also opinion. Also
1: beautiful and rare.
0: He was um he's amazing. And uh, I ended up actually going to the University of Pennsylvania, which was not where I was diagnosed, but it was because he told me to get a second opinion and he told me to get it at Penn. Wow. And um I actually came to New York because it was I got my diagnosis on July twenty third, twenty nineteen, five days before I turned forty. Wow. They told me- um, Happy birthday. Thank you. I, they told me I-, I well,
1: no, Now everyone knows how old you are.
0: <laughs> I'm 23 years old. No, I'm kidding. I claim all 42 years. Aging I'm so grateful for you. It is a blessing. Yes. I love my gray hair. I love who I am. I could deal with that, the, the gray chin hair. That's very demoralizing. I thought the chemo would keep that away, but yeah. there's that.
1: But you kept your eyebrows.
0: I kept my eyebrows. It was very interesting when- God things, bless chemo progress. <laughs> when things grow back. You know what else was nice about chemo? You don't smell.
1: That's true. Yeah. Your you body's sweat.
0: Like, mm Well, I sweat it tremendously. We'll oh, okay. talk about Lupron.
1: Oh, yeah. Wait, oh, yeah. we got to get into the hormone fun.
0: <laughs> but um, I found out five days before I turned 40, and I was planning to come up here for my 40th birthday with my best friends who are from uh, Jersey City and South Jersey. And I told my best friend that night when I came up, and, and her mother had passed from uh, breast cancer, and they were she was just my rock. And um, I, I had to tell my family when I went on my family vacation, and- they were wonderful. But the day I told my best friend, the next day we went out on a, uh, on a soca party boat around the Hudson Even and better, danced, you know, danced. And he told me to have fun. So I had fun with my family. I had fun with my friends. And then when I came back, we got to work.
1: That's crazy. So did this intersect with the pandemic? Were you still in treatment or was it over? And I say over, asterisk, over.
0: So uh, I am so fortunate to have gone through cancer treatment the whole totality before and after COVID. Mm -hmm. So the decision, I had a grade three type tumor, it grew really quickly, and um so the decision was to do neo adjuvant, which is a fancy way of saying chemo before surgery. Right. And I was really glad that- Why, we, I, why
1: is it so complicated? You know, they just, they just- chemo? Just say it the way it
0: is. Yeah. I, and neo sounds- Yeah, I don't know why we haven't the, the latin words, yeah. but- uh, <laughs> Especially since it's a dead language, but it's still useful. So I they did Wait, chemo first. Wait, do you speak first. Latin too? I, no, but I do understand it just because the Latin languages that I speak, All right. I, I now understand. All right,
1: that was a good segue. Go. <laughs> Continue, please. A tu brute. Yes.
0: Um, so- the good thing about going through chemo before surgery was I could see the tumor dying. I could see it receding. I could see it getting smaller. So I didn't feel like chemo was just something that was draining me. Mm -hmm. And then it also made it easier for my surgeons to do surgery. um, And they didn't have to cut away as much tissue. And um, my, my former colleagues and my friends, they took me to, uh, they took me to all my chemo appointments. They went with me to the doctor's offices. I you remember had a tribe. I had an amazing tribe. Um, my girlfriend, Margaret, was my, I call her my cancer project manager. <laughs> and, you know, we had- You're on chief of staff. Yes. Yeah, so we had a shared notebook and they would take notes while I just got to listen to what the doctor was saying and engage with the physician. And then we would go to my favorite restaurant in Philly. We would do the whole chemo thing, all those hours. And- actually ended up being the best experience of my life to go through cancer.
1: Again, beautiful and rare.
0: Beautiful. And it was rare, but I was so grateful. I, I'm not a naturally vulnerable person and I'm not nat- naturally even an emotional person. And I had to lean into people and lean on people and be the vulnerable The vulnerability to factor, right? And I had hair shorter than yours. You know. <laughs> and I have no hair. <laughs> I was on camera. And because my company, so Magellan RX, I'll tell you one thing about it is it was sixty percent remote before COVID. Mm, okay. I was hired in February twenty nineteen. Yeah. And so um we did a lot of traveling to offices, but otherwise I I worked at home and my boss was so amazing and she said, you know, the moment I got my diagnosis and they said you're gonna have to start chemo, well, that was when I was gonna have to start my um my what do you call that? that everybody else went through with COVID, where we're just, quarantine. Ah.
1: Circle gets a Wait, square. what's that word again? Quar what? I know nothing of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, quarantine. Tell me more. So I quarantined uh, September 2019, mm. and I worked from home, and we're a camera.
1: Wait, you were pre-bubbled?
0: I was pre-bubbled. And it was almost like I got a chance to get ready for Wait, COVID. COVID
1: did you a favor?
0: It uh, I, No, <laughs> COVID did me no favors. I was so not a fan of COVID, because as a cancer patient- Yeah, that's true. At, you know, at Penn, it was wonderful. It's like a cancer mall. It's so, there's, <laughs> <Yes>. you know.
1: <laughs> Where's the everything yogurt?
0: <laughs> I mean, they've got great coffee. They've got great food. Everything that you need is in a one location. Mall. My goodness. You know, I mean, it. you know, in, in, in that regard, it's sad that that many people have cancer. But in the other regard, it's wonderful that there's so much great care.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, you made me lose my train of thought.
1: Well, we were getting. We were going to get into the fertility conversation because that's that's near and near to me personally. I did want to tell you one specific thing that you may not be aware of. As part of the Affordable Care Act, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former DNC chair, worked with the young adult cancer movement. We were involved with that to wedge in a bill called the Early Act. And the EARLY Act would guarantee any young adult under 40 with breast cancer would have full and complete coverage of mastectomy and reconstruction. You may be a beneficiary of that legislation.
0: Well, that's pretty amazing. Thank you for doing that. I didn't have a mastectomy, I had a lumpectomy and an oncoplastic reduction, but um, I- No matter
1: what it is, you will never be charged for any augmentation or- Really? Yeah. Well, you shouldn't be. And if you are, just call me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to look into that because there's some things I want to have redone. <laughs> yeah, you're
1: entitled. We got the I bill no passed. Idea. Do you know the word iatrogenic? Say more. Is that a yes? That's a no. Iatrogenic is when bodily harm is induced to save the life. And when you give a young woman a mastectomy to save her life, it, I'm not going to say this the right way because I'm not a woman, it, it just fucks you up. Physically, visually, emotionally, mentally for the rest of your life. I think you nailed it. You deserve the right to look, quote, normal. And it was recompense for the iatrogenic need to save your life.
0: Well, and the and the and what they're able to do between the prosthesis and with the tattooing, et yeah. cetera, and the the surgeons are really motivated. And they really want you to get as, as as much of a normal life as possible. But I, yeah, so at Penn, at the mall, at the Cancer Mall, one of the one of the sections that you go to is the fertility or the, you know, the the section to talk about like what your life goals are if you're younger and you're still able to have a child. And uh, I remember meeting with the uh the G Y N there and he said, What are your goals? And I was like, I want to have babies. He said, Well, you're gonna have babies. You'll be safe, you'll have babies. And then when I met with the uh fertility folks and they're like, These are the options, and they're going through, you know, you can freeze your eggs, you can harvest eggs, you can do this, you can do that. And I'm like, well, looking at the chart, and it's like, it's $30,000 to store some eggs. I'm like, can I keep them at home in my own freezer? They said no.
1: (laughs) Your own freezer. (laughs) Dear Frigidaire.
0: (laughs) Um, And then there was like, you know, you're going to have to get stuck every day and do all this stuff. And then they said, or there's Lupron. And I was like, well, what's the, what's the return on investment on that? And across the board, it was like a 30% chance either way. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll do the Lupron. I had no idea it would cause raging hot flashes.
1: Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Ask my wife because I stabbed her with it for months. <laughs> she made her oocytes. O- <laughs> oh,
0: my goodness. And And I sweat. Every day, I was on camera, bald like Telly Savalas, with a giant fan and a tank top, and my best seventies company...
1: actor <laughs> reference on the history of the show.
0: Absolutely! Oh, thank you, I appreciate Telly it.
1: Telly Savalas for the win. Rip Telly Savalas.
0: Rip Telly Savalas. Great head, and uh, but you know, my company—they were so great. Nobody ever made me feel bad. And when it was Halloween, I actually dressed up as a deer because I had a you know bald brown head, so I was able to put ears on, and it was fantastic. Cance
1: can- I <laughs> <laughs> just trying to combine two words there. <laughs> cancer antlers. It's
0: cancer antlers. They were beautiful. And um, no, but they just, and my boss, you know, one of the nicest things, If, if and I hope you never get a chance to go through cancer, but if, if you're listening and you have a family member that does or a friend, one of the hardest things about chemo is the fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I was a working adult going through chemo. and With a uh, job. With a job, a demanding job, an amazing job. And my boss was so kind because she knew I couldn't do the mornings.
1: Mm. Reasonable accommodation.
0: Reasonable accommodation. Which
1: is part of the ADA passed in 1980 yeah. something.
0: But I didn't have to like, you know, I didn't have to work hard to get that. They didn't it just give was, you shit for it. Not at all.
1: That's the best.
0: Not at all. You're like my cursing translator. I love it. Because <laughs> you're saying all the things sure. I want to see on the inside.
1: Wait, so let's let's wrap with some sort of a survey analysis of what it was like to get cancer while working in healthcare. And you had the fortune to be in the right place at the right time with the right doctors and the right tribe. But yet you were able to be your own advocate because you knew the system.
0: Absolutely. Right place, right time, right tribe. It was still scary. It was still the scariest thing I've ever been through. I'm still going through it. You know, there's still, I take uh, take medication. To... Oh, it's
1: the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Welcome to that, the club. You didn't the gift want to join. that keeps
0: on giving. But the great thing is that once one gets the cancer diagnosis, the healthcare system at least now, in my experience, kicks into high gear. Mm-hmm. One single chemo treatment was $47,000. That blew past the deductible. Mm-hmm. Everything was free from then on out. I mean, free as in I didn't pay out of pocket. The only the only part that I really didn't enjoy was the uh, radiation, and that was just oh. because we were post-COVID.
1: I mean, who enjoys radiation? <laughs> yeah,
0: on the bucket list. It Dear was, Chernobyl. Right, two out of five. Uh, <laughs> no, but it was actually because um, that was when everyone was doing the, you know, the COVID shutdown, and I wasn't allowed to go outside and we had to wear masks on the inside. And mm-hmm. I was the type of radiation I had, you had to hold your breath because mm. it moves your heart out of the yep, way. Yep, yep, And one of the days that I was coming in for treatment, they had locked the doors to the outside, this beautiful outside part. I would go pray and just, just get ready for my treatment. And well, they
1: shackled the gates.
0: They shackled the gates because they were afraid people were gonna jump over and come in the back way. I'm like, they're cancer patients. We right. don't move that fast. And, <laughs> you, and you got eight people at the front door with, with you know, thermometer. And everything else, and I—it's t- <laughs> like one flow with the cuckoo's nest <laughs> like, for just, cancer like, patients. Exactly, like we're we're shuffling really slow. What are you like? What, what are we doing to do? So I I actually hyperventilated and cried bitter tears on the table while I held my breath for that session. But by the time I got off the table, they had talked to the director of the hospital and he changed the policy. Wow. That's powerful. It was like my Rosa Parks cancer moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't drinking. I couldn't come by my nose. Oh my God. That was amazing.
0: Well, I had one more.
1: I can't get away with that. You can get away with that.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. I had one more because the bell was tied up. It was taped up. Oh, the
1: bell that tells you 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 can leave. Yeah.
0: And so I kept telling him like, I'm going to ring that bell. I'm going to ring that bell. They're like, well, we have to ask the hospital administrator and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you can go ahead and ask them. I said, I'll wear gloves. I'll wear whatever you need me to wear, but I'm ringing that bell. I will ring that bell. And uh, on my last day of treatment, I'd gotten permission to ring the bell. And they said it was the first time anybody had heard that in three months. And so people need a hope and they need their friends and families to be able to be with them. And they need to hear other people having success and surviving.
1: I can't think of a more profound way to end this interview. Thank you. And to welcome you back anytime, that chair is yours, anytime you want. Michelle Johansson, what is C- CHC, CHPC? I-, I love acronyms. I love these acronyms.
0: Thank you. What does it mean? Healthcare Compliance Association, certified in healthcare compliance and healthcare privacy compliance.
1: It's a lot of acronyms. Yes. All right. Michelle Johansson, CHC, CHPC, VP, Chief of Staff 2, the Lethal Weapon 2 of her position at Magellan Rx Management. I'm so excited to have had you on the show. We are best friends immediately. We are text buddies. I mean, you shared your Uber with me. That's like third base.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Matthew.
2: That's all for now. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patients is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.